Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradzan. On this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we brought in Kelly Hawks, who is a senior paralegal here in Ontario, and she specializes in the Tenant Act and dealing with the Ontario board, specifically helping landlords who own investment properties right across the GTA, the Greater Toronto, Hamilton area. Kelly's Kelly's a wealth of information, as you'll quickly see if you have never heard from her before. And in this talk, we, uh, we dive into Bill 184, which looks like it's going to be passed later this month. And the reason that's important is the passing of this bill, from what I understand, looks like it's going to open up the tenant board again. And that might be virtually opening it up, but it might be opening it up to regular things like the eviction process and so forth, because that's been on a hiatus since the COVID measures came in in March. So everyone's really anxious to see if this thing gets passed. And as real estate investors here in Ontario, we all think we should be aware of what's going on. There's a lot of debate whether this is really good. I think the tenants don't really, or, or tenants in general, or tenant tenant advocacy groups, can't speak right now, tenant advocacy groups, um, I don't think are liking what they're seeing in this. They wanted more stuff for tenants in there. Landlords are saying it didn't go far enough. So as usual, no one's happy about anything, but I think it's important for us to understand what is in this, especially if it's gonna open up the tenant board again. So we brought in Kelly to go through it with us. We dive into it pretty quickly. She's a wealth of information and she hands out her contact information in here as well. So if you're looking to get a hold of her, listen for her contact information at the end. She has a brand new website and a new email address. So that is in there as well. And if you are listening to this and you're talking to your friends or family about real estate investing and you're not really sure where to get started, I just wanna share a couple of resources that we get the most feedback about and it's the free copies of our books. We have four different books. We sell these books on Amazon, but we give them away for free. And the reason that we give them away for free, we're hoping that we can give away enough good information that if you're not doing business with us here at Rockstar, hopefully that you read that information and it convinces you that, hey, these are good people and maybe I should be doing business with them. So there's definitely selfish motives for giving away all this good information. So if you're wondering why we give away these free books, that's why. Um, and you can get them. But if you don't do any business with us, that's totally fine as well. We just want everyone to have some good information. It's the kind of thing we wish we would have had access to as Canadians when we were getting started. So that's why we put all this stuff out there. So you can get free access to the different books at this URL. It's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. And there's four of them. There's Income for Life for Canadians, which kind of started all of this. That thing has been downloaded tens of thousands of times. It might be over 100,000 now. We kind of have stopped counting it. Then there's the Canadian Real Estate Investing Blueprint. This is our newest book, which probably gets the, le the least mention from us, but has the best information in it. So this book is jam-packed with information on uh, straight renting properties, uh, student rental properties, rent-to-own strategies, the advertising techniques that we use on these, different uh, on these different strategies. So there's that book. Then there's the Your Life, Your Terms book. If you're dealing with any family members who are wondering if real estate investing is right for them, Every chapter of this book is written by a different local investor who shares their experiences and stories. So if you're looking for a book to, to share with a family member or friend, just to give them an idea of how real estate investing might change their lives, might help them in some capacity, this is proven to be a really powerful book. So that book's called Your Life, Your Terms, The Steps Canadians Are Taking to Live Life on Their Terms. And finally, there's the Canadian Real Estate Investing Lessons from the Streets. That's our That was our second book. Um, it's the fourth one available there. So, and all of them are available at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. And with that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, 
business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Oh, yeah, we are recording. We are, Nick. Nick, we are recording. Kelly is with us. Just need to check with Nicholas Alexander. Can you hear me? Calling Nicholas, calling, calling Nicholas Alexander. Can you hear me? Perfect. Um, yeah. um, so excited that I can hear you. Kelly, thanks for doing this. Oh, this is no, be, thanks you know, for having me. The podcast is going to slow. It's going to be like the, an episode of The Simpsons. You know how The Simpsons had like a different, a couple bits of the beginning were different for every episode. I got to come yeah. up with a list of things I can say to Tom when he says, can you hear me? So we can have like a different response every time. Yeah. For the record, I would stop saying this, but every once in a while, not once in a while, fairly often, I bump into people who listen to the podcast and they always say, hey, can you hear me? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it takes me a while to clue in. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're making fun of the podcast or you're not making fun. We are having fun together is what's happening. Um, Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you definitely still so you still offended someone though. I yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, someone's <laughs> offended somewhere. Someone is offended. Um, Kelly, thank you for doing this. Let's just kick off. Um, where where are we on the? I guess the state of rent in Ontario as far as late rent and missed rent and stuff. What what's what's the latest on how that's being handled in Ontario? Yeah, so the government did just uh, release some information that um, the state of evictions uh, will be lifted at the end of this month. Um, It's coinciding with their need to pass this new bill that we talked about, Bill 184, um, because it it changes so many sections of the Residential Tenancies Act, including um, the powers of uh, the board with respect to eviction for rent arrears during COVID. So those talks that we had back in March about putting together compassionate payment arrangements are going to come to fruition now. Uh, So why is that going to come to fruition? Uh, They've actually added a section into the act that says that the board has the power to consider um, what payment arrangements or what uh, negotiating attempts were made during COVID to uh, work out Uh, rent arrears with the tenant and they can consider those uh, negotiations or terms or any kind of arrangements um, in deciding on whether or not they're going to grant eviction. Yeah. So if you're a jerk landlord, they they might hold it against you. And if you were trying to help work with people because everyone was impacted by this, then it might actually work to your favor showing that you were a reasonable person, right? Yeah. And it it was common sense. Like they they did not indicate that when we had these discussions back in March, Um, but it just made common sense that that's how they would have to handle it. Um, So all of those people, you know, all the rock star people that reached out to me that heard our podcast about that, I really hope that they they took those steps. I know a lot of them did. Because uh, it's certainly going to become very important once they do get um, their matter heard before the board. Okay. And so just on the flip side on that, just to play devil's advocate here a little bit, say you weren't compassionate, but this uh, tenant was, you know, really giving you a hard time for like the last five years. So now you're in a situation where maybe you should have been or shown some compassion. However, you didn't because, and, and you stuck with the letter of the law because for the last five years, we know it's a, everything's a two-way street. I'm not saying landlords are perfect. I'm not saying tenants are perfect. I mean, it's human relations. There's always going to be an issue going on. But if you stuck to the letter of the law because of past history, the adjudicator at the tenant board, I'm hoping is going to take some of that into account because 
if you don't show compassion, but there's previous kind of incidents that are kind of dictating that why- broke down the relationship, yeah. Exactly. I'm just, yeah. I guess when any government institution gets into this gray area, I'm always like, oh, how's that going to work? But- uh, yeah, Well, they certainly have to consider all um, circumstances and everyone will be different, especially in, in circumstances where the relationship has broken down and it's really based to the bare bones of, you're paying your rent, we're not talking, let me know if something's broken. Um, there's, there's a lot of those too. So I think, uh, as a whole, uh, they'll have to consider all of the circumstances, but they certainly now have the power to also consider, uh, you know, what negotiating attempts were made or what kind of arrangements okay. were, were made. And, and you have always been great guiding, like you said, everybody about being compassionate. And we were definitely echoing that, you know, this is a time to use compassion and yeah. make sure, you know, you are doing things as, as well as you can be. And uh, so that has been proven to be good advice, Kelly. So thanks for sharing that with everyone you work with. So uh, that's-, that's oh, yeah, thanks. Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say uh, thanks. I was gonna say the flip side to, to the, whole, the, you know, the, the whole setup, because it is nice that they put something like that in there. Yeah. The downside is, you know, it's still arbitrary. You know, and it makes it difficult, you know, so I know it's human relations and, you know, they got to take, take certain things into account. You know, the fear is that depending on who they get, who the adjudicator is that you get, or the, I don't know if it's the same thing an adjudicator for if, when you go for mediation, is it a mediator yeah. or is it an adjudicator? When you go person? to mediation, it's a mediator. mediator. It's a dispute so, resolution officer. Yeah. Yeah. So you just, that's the, that's the flip side that kind of sucks. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. they're, they're not going to all play by the same rules. So there is a little bit of a kind of like a chance that you get the different person, but ultimately it's a short-term thing because the, the COVID ones will work their way through the system in a you know, certain period of time. And then we go back to a little bit more of the kind of traditional, the tr traditional yeah. setup, I guess. And don't get me wrong, it's not going to mean that you're not going to get your eviction because the rent will still be due. Uh, it will be, um, they will have the power to either implement some kind of payment plan, where in the past uh, it was, you know, you were seeking a standard order, it was 11 days, they need to pay the whole thing, um, or they're, you know, they're, you can file for the sheriff. It's not going to mean that the landlord won't get their money. It's just going to mean um, what their what powers they're going to exercise in determining when that eviction happens and whether or not they're going to give an opportunity for some kind of payment arrangement based on the circumstances. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. And that's going so, into, so, so, so yeah, sorry, keep going. Yeah, so those ones that did try to enter and negotiate um, could continue on with those payment arrangements, or they could get an order that says they're satisfied with the arrangements that have been made, and if any default occurs, then they can file for eviction. Um, where on the other hand, they might, you know, add a step in where there has to be some kind of reasonable payment plan implemented before they can even look at uh, granting eviction. I think that's, that's, You'll still get your your order, or you know, if the tenant doesn't pay, and you're still entitled to the rent that hasn't been paid. So when does this come into an effect? This is later in July of 2020. When when they pass this bill, so it's already had the second reading. It's uh, heading for the third reading, and then it needs to be given uh, granted royal assent. So they're trying to time it at the same time because there are some powers in there um, in other areas that. 
have a retroactive um, effect as well um, with respect to damages and things like that. So they're trying to push it through as fast as possible, but they did say that they are going to be um, lifting at this point um, the ability to proceed with evictions at the end of this month. Okay, got it. And then I guess that means they're going to be done virtually. Not everyone's going to be racing back to the tenant board and, and or is, are these going to be done in person? No one knows. <laughs> Here's how piecemeal it is. Like they give, they give you some information. They don't give us all the information. Um, they are doing, as I talked to you guys about, about this before, they are uh, hosting tenant applications or applications for serious impairment of safety or illegal activity by telephone. There's no reason why they can't do rent arrears hearings by phone. Um, there's certainly no reason. Um, you know, the only uh, reason that was stopping them from proceeding with that was the Emergency Protections Act and the, the moratorium on evictions. So I, I'm going to assume that a lot of them um, will be done by phone. Got it. Okay. And then even before that gets passed, what is happening right now that is allowed? There are hearings on late rent or missing rent, but you can't evict. That is happening currently, correct? Right. So uh, if the landlord is not seeking termination of the tenancy, but only in, <clears throat> excuse me, in order for the rent arrears, um, that's something that's done through the L9 application. And those are being done right now. So essentially you get an order in your hand that says tenant owes me, you know, three months of rent and you can start pursuing enforcement on that either through a garnishment or through a collection agency. And, and um, garnishment, for whatever reason, I'm used to thinking that garnishment requires you taking that order to small claims court and getting small claims court to I'll give you some order that you can then use to garnish wages. No, that's not the case? Close. Yeah, close. It doesn't, they don't have to give you an order because you already have an order from another court. You just transfer it over and then you issue the, the garnishment papers. Um, attached to it. So basically there's like a, a nominal uh, transfer fee. It becomes, an, so it gets you a number at small claims court and then your garnishment is filed with the enforcement office at small claims court, but it doesn't have to go through a process of, of getting another order granted. You already have one. You're just enforcing. Okay. Got it. And then because we've never done such a thing, how, how long does that process take? That's a couple of weeks to do something like that? Um, to get the garnishment itself filed is just a matter of completing the documents and, and sending them into the court. Um, there's, you know, once you serve them on the parties, uh, the employer has 10 days to respond. And if they don't, it triggers some other um, things that you can file to, to get remedy. Sometimes um, you can get a judgment against the employer themselves if they don't comply with the garnishment order. Um, and, Got you know, it. it's, okay. it's not a long process. Uh, actually, it moves along quite, quite quickly once you get it in the, in the works. The one process that is um, somewhat delayed is um, when the employer sends the money into the court and the court office has to issue the funds. That's sometimes a delay. It sometimes takes, you know. Oh, so when the months. government gets our money, yeah. it's the problem. Got it, yeah. Kelly. Okay, no, I'm, I'm, I'm I actually, Go figure. Don't hear you. Go and you, figure. you know what? The, the, look, but the only time that the government, because I've never seen the government act fast in returning money. Tom, we even, we even had an offer <laughs> on a on a piece of land that we oh were going we to build a building yeah. on. It was a piece, It was from the crown, and I forget if it was provincial, federal. I don't know what, but it was a piece we were, of land. We were buying land. some royal land. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. fancy. Yes. Oh, yeah. Fancy. Yeah. And then we decided there was conservation area behind it, which made the development a little more difficult. So, you know, one thing led to another, we said, let's not proceed with it. 
after we did a traffic study and a few different things. And then, um, and then to get the deposit back after we pulled out, it took like, like oh. months. It was a design. I'm like, what? I mean, if this was happening, like in our brokerage, if that was happening and we were holding on to someone's money for that long, people would be freaking, they would be complaining to the real estate council. Like, You'd have to pay interest. Guys? Yeah. They're yeah. like, why aren't yeah, you? Yeah. It wasn't a small deposit. Yeah. No. And yeah. Uh, yeah, for, for that, I mean, they never, other than the CERB payments where they just basically said, whoever wants money here, fill out this online form and we'll send it to you. <laughs> Outside of that, I've never seen them kind of hand out money. It's always a, always a delay yeah. there for sure. There is, there is some delays and it's there for sure. Like I, that's probably the biggest complaint that I hear across the board about. It's not the process about filing the documents, serving them or anything. It's really that the employer did remit the money and it's being held in court. And, and I think it's important at this time, you know, we like talking about this stuff with you, Kelly, and it sounds kind of like maybe negative when you talk about this stuff. We just like knowing these things so that we know how the process works. So right. if this is the first time you're listening to us and this podcast or hearing Kelly, none of us are about forcing any of this stuff. It's more just understanding what you can and can't do. We, yeah. We've always wanted an information advantage in everything we do. So if we yep. understand it, we might not even go down this path. It's just good, we feel, as real estate investors to know this and to know yep. people like yourself, Kelly, so that you know how to handle things. Yeah, it's good to know what your options are too. I mean, you know, you can't really make a sound decision unless you know what's available to you. Yeah. Okay, so what else is going on with Bill 184? Now I feel like I'm going to yes. mess it up again. 184. 184. 184. 184. Um, yeah, so basically, um, there's a, just a few things that I think will be uh, really great for landlords. Um, and the act will, what they're calling it is, um, hang on, this is good. You guys will love this. Protecting Tenants and Strengthening Community Housing Act of 2020. Oh, that's, it is a nice. I did. Nice. I, I, did. I saw when I first saw the title and I was reading about it because it's your same comment because some people were like, Hey, this is giving in some cases there's, you know, there are some favorable things here for landlords as well. Yeah, um, and I was like, Oh, that's interesting that there are because whoever named that purposely named it that way to try to make it not seem that that was the case. Right. It was definitely a good head from a marketing perspective. It was a good headline. Awesome. I don't even, I don't even know. Do both sides just hate this right now? Like do tenants? No. Uh, oh, okay. Tenants are hating it. Tenants oh, tenants. Oh, landlords it. are liking it. Okay. Yeah. Someone was trying to climb John Tory's building. Remember this? Yeah. Oh, this was ago? about that. Did you, Kelly, they, did you see that? They served him a notice. They served him they like an N7 But they went to his house. Oh, did they? Yeah. What, what, well, they went to his the condo. End? And they tried the lady. Did you see one lady? She was trying to climb. There was a beam. Of, did you see this? There oh, was, I saw it. Yeah, there was, there was Nick. There was this like, I guess, little roof over the front doors. And there was this diagonal metal beam holding it up. And this lady who was obviously not prepared to climb a building. She was not wearing appropriate gear. She had like a <laughs> skirt is? on, a purse. Yeah, she had a purse like, and, 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 and she started climbing like the metal beam. And I'm like, he probably lives on the 20th floor. Like, are you getting ready to like scale this building? <laughs> right now and there's a police yeah. officer i don't know a somebody i think it was a police officer trying to like grab her and like pull her down off the building <laughs> i'm like oh my god 2020 is legendary 2020 yep. is just legendary what's uh so what's the end they've served him an n7 so what's the n7 for? yeah they they actually posted i think it was either it was either an n6 n7 or an m5 but it was one of those notices and they filled out his name in huge block letters john tory and tenants of toronto or something and then 
Um, oh yeah, they posted it on his door, and it was all over the media. It was like uh, I oh like that. God. That's a good move. I like that. That's that's a that's a good that's a good statement piece. You know, but to right represent from there to represent both sides. What why, what is it that they don't like? Uh, they just they they actually thought that this bill was going to protect them. You know, I guess if you only read the name. Um, oh God. You know, it. but okay. uh, at the, when you actually delve into it and you start to look at it, um, there are some long overdue. Um, improvements, uh, you know, provisions included in there for the landlord. Now it's not all great because they have also looked after a couple of um, common issues for tenants, you know, where there's bad faith notices served to get them to vacate because they're selling the property or things like that. There's some significant penalties for landlords. Uh, that, that's been really um, changed. And that's, um, you know, but, but that's good. Like that, that's good. I think, you know, where I guess some things get lost is that, you know, in some cases, people would look at this and say like, well, it's just pro landlord, right? And but tenants have a lot of rights already. And there's, there are common areas that these need yep. to be addressed. And, and, you know, th there were problems, you know, and we, we got to your point about this in, in our office, we were going through a transaction and then someone here who was going to be buying an investment property from someone requested that the seller put in one of those notices in bad faith, even though they knew they'd be lying. The seller's like, well, no, I'm, I can't do that. Like that's, that's, I, I, that, that's huge liability. I yeah. It's a problem that we advise them too. We're like, no, 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 don't do that. That's, that's, that's crazy. But some people that's the route to take for that type of stuff. And, and there was a story in, um, in Toronto, this was month, this was last year sometime. I remember someone sold a stake in their, their rental property to someone else who then filed, um, uh, uh, you know, file to evict the tenants. And that person only, it, it, like on the land transfer, they only put in like a hundred bucks or something like that. So they only owned this tiny percentage essentially of this property, but now they could, they could file. So it was obvious they were doing it that way to be able to circumvent these rules. And that's why oh, you yeah. need some, that's why some of those protections, like when people are taking advantage of people, you well, need those protections for tenants too. You know what I mean? So it's right. got to go both ways. Yeah. You know? And actually none of that will be able to happen uh, going forward because they've also put in there that they have the power to review any termination notices that have been served on this tenant for consideration um, for those types of applications. So, so if the landlord tried to get them out by this and that and this and that, and then finally serve them the one for personal use or a, pers a purchaser's personal use, they're allowed to look back in the history now um, and consider all of those um, notices that were served and, and request uh, evidence of why they were served because mm. they're they're really drilling down on what's actually happening uh, which you know is is kind of good in a way because a lot of times they're so high up and they don't really know what's going on um you know there's a few times where i felt like i should jump sides because some tenants were getting you know the the short end of the stick but um, I, I still maintain that I do only represent landlords and how, um, and you know, there's a lot more available for us to do. We don't need to be doing this, um, you know, serving notices in bad faith and putting yourself at such a high risk of liability, like the penalties, not only could you be liable to pay the tenant a year's rent, you could also be issued a fine, um, for a non-corp 25 K to a hundred K. Yeah, for bad faith and, and, and for a corporation the, from 50 to 250 like why is it worth it it's just and it's not. just the right thing to do yeah. to not do that 
It's I mean, offensive. when you look at Toronto and we have the population growth that Nick talks about this all the time. We have the population growth that we have in Toronto. Toronto, Kelly, is right now the fastest growing metropolitan center in North America. We're wow. number one. Okay. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're fastest growing population. And that's been the case for like 10 years. We've been top population growth, not maybe not number one all the time, but we've had incredible population growth. Nick pulled up this stats, these stats a while ago that we have like 50,000 family formations a year for the last 10 years. Okay. And then, but the, the housing supply is growing at about 36,000. So we have a Delta of 14,000 yeah. housing units a year. A yeah. year. It's making yeah. vacancies right across Toronto and the greater Toronto basically non-existent, let's face it. It's driving up rent prices. Yeah. So it's difficult enough for families to get a place to live. Then when you get yeah. somebody who's going to buy a property and like do an incorrect action, un unlawfully mm -hmm. try to evict somebody, where is that family? Where is then that family going to try and live? Yeah. Like, well, so the bottom line is, is it's just not the right thing to do. You, yeah. you know, and, and I, sorry, I, I just, no, I get it. This and just I, comes down to living your life by principles. Yeah. And I, I, sometimes I get it when a landlord has tried everything else and it's just so bad and they've suffered so many losses. I understand why they might like look at maybe doing that, but your decision needs to be, as you say, like conducting yourself with, with some kind of morals because- you're going to get caught and it's worse now, um, you know, and it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. It's and the challenge I, I, I wouldn't help assist someone to represent them for that. When someone comes to me with, um, sorry, uh, Nick, no, sorry. when someone comes to me with an application uh, for personal use or purchasers uh, own use, I, I require the affidavit. Like it wasn't in the act before um, that it had to be filed with the application. I always, I always wanted it because I, I don't want to be party to that either. Um, you know what I mean? It's just not how I want to build my reputation. I can push you through it. I can get you through it. I can get you your termination, but not if you're not doing it in good faith. I, I just, it's not yeah. right. No, and it's in every industry, right? Like it's the challenge of if in, in Toronto right now, well, well, anywhere. Like Tom, we look at what real estate is, is almost like a business in a box, right? It's this beautiful thing. It's like a little business. You buy this, this property, an income property, you can rent it out. There's strong demand. You don't have to go mar really marketing yeah. heavily for your tenants or you know, for your customers, essentially, if you're looking at it as a business, from the business side yeah. of things. So there's this strong demand. And in any industry, when the demand, like you were talking about, far outstrips the supply, it opens up you know, this, an opportunity for everyone to try to take advantage of people. And there's a percentage of people, yeah. and this is across the board. So like, I'm not, I'm not picking on landlords, right? Because there's some amazing landlords. I mean, I think we've, oh, yeah. very, we, we've we worked with our tenants sure. and I, you know, I'll, Me too. Gonna, I work I'm with gonna, so many of them. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but there's some of them that are terrible and it, 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 it goes to, I mean, we're real estate. So we'll say realtors, paralegals. There's some that are like amazing. And there's some that are, they're trying to kind of nitpick and just take advantage of people and trying to get like, you know, fees oh, yeah. for certain things. It goes across yeah. every industry. And, the, and it's just yeah. those fundamentals that are, that are, it kind of causes it, it opens the door for this. It's no different than for years in, in different student areas. And, and, you know, and now there's a lot of more institutional money that has gone to student housing and they built you know, different apartment buildings for students that have, have really increased supply. But for years and years in student areas, people were renting out, basically, it wasn't even a room. It would be like two walls. Corner. Like, yeah, it was, like, it was like a sheet. There would be like a sheet on like a clothes, hey, on, on a clothesline that would be act as like a wall. It was, it was a joke. And it's just yeah. because supply and demand. So when that gets more in line, 
then yeah. like that to me is the underlying problem of this because then those, those people that are like unscrupulous or trying to take advantage of people, they slowly get weeded out because these other, these people have other options. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So honestly, during my career, there's only, like I said in the past, like, I, I think I told you guys, and I've said this before that I, I have only represented two tenants. Um, one was a family member and one was a friend that was really getting the short end of the stick. But honestly, for the most part, all the landlords that I've worked with have been great landlords. Um, and, um, you know, only every once in a while, something pops up where someone contacts me and they say, look, I know you only represent landlords, but this is what's happening. And it's like, oh, I almost want to, you know, yeah. just, and so I do, you know, give them the, the advice they were seeking. Um, but I, I usually end up referring them to one of my colleagues because, um, I, I just really still feel, you know, in my gut that landlords still need somebody on their side. And, and I just want to stay on the one side for now. Uh, we'll, yeah. We'll and see. Kelly, we're going to, we're always going to be fine with you. Like as to us, as, as long as you're living and we're not talking about you, Kelly, but as long as we're all living by principles, yeah. as long as you're always doing the right thing yeah. in that situation, yeah. you yeah. can represent different sides we feel and it's yeah. going to work out. Yeah. If everyone does the right thing, it's kind of yeah. easy to come. Everyone, everyone's got a pretty big bullshit detector. Let's face it. <laughs> so, you know, when you're kind of getting screwed, right? Um, yeah. But um, anyway. Yeah. What about the, so what about the, the landlord side? If okay, we go so, back to the act, so yeah. if we go back to the bill. Yeah. So um, this is a really good one because this will affect a lot of people. Landlords are going to be allowed to apply for compensation um, for damages or rent arrears up to a year after the tenant vacates the property. And this is huge because a lot of times what happens is the tenant is in arrears and they just skip out and the landlord can't file the application if they're not in possession of the unit. So they have to either go to small claims court, uh, initiate a claim at small claims court and try to recover it that way or walk away from it. Now this bill will allow landlords to apply up to a year after uh, the tenants have vacated the unit. Yeah, see, that seems, that, and I mean, I'm have a biased point of view because I'm a landlord, but that seems like a fair one. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, that's I not, agree. We're not taking advantage of any tenant rights by that. If someone damages the property and they skip out on it, they should be held liable that's for that right. type of stuff. Yep. But, it, but, yeah. but how do you find, like the, the challenge is finding those people, right? Like if they take off, what, I guess it's, it's, it goes to being doing it up front, properly getting proper identification, employment or, you know, proof of employment, that type of stuff, that's, you need to do All that ahead of time, things. right? Yeah. Because you were involved in that, but in a, you know, in a past life, you were kind of working with some skip tracers or maybe you still do or whatever. So yeah, I still do. Yeah. So it's the more information. So it's the getting all that information up front that yep. allows you to then implement it in the future if you need to. That's right. Um, you know, even my class, I do talk a lot about that. My class that I do for, for all your rockstar members there. And it's just really uh, initially getting all that information as much as you can, um, because it's surprising how some small detail, you know, even a next of kin, oh, I didn't find you on Facebook, but I sure found your mom. And there you guys are, um, you know, moving into your new place in Kitchener. Got ya. Um, you know, it, it all becomes very important um, for, for trying to find them. Um, and for the most part, people are pretty good. I mean, they, you know, the people that I deal with, they, they do ask for a lot of info. Sometimes there's people that are really just good at evading, um, you know, evading service of anything. Um, but there, there's time now, there's more time to be able to get uh, for landlords to be able to look at um, 
what the total cost is, including the damages, because that's a big one. Sometimes people leave a lot of junk and damage and stuff, and, and it's a big hit when you have to walk away from any kind of recovery. There's also, sorry, and I know I'm going on, but there's still always the opportunity to um, understand whether or not you want to go down that road and pursuing it, because you also have to look at the, um, the, the, the likelihood of recovery right? Like if the tenant is... Yeah, yeah. If, if they left $25,000 of damage, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense, right? So... Yeah, yeah. So that's a great one. The other one is, is that um, now, um, currently, the landlords cannot get compensation for applications that have to do with uh, interference of their reasonable enjoyment or other lawful interests. They can get a termination, but they can't get compensation this bill will allow them to get some kind of compensation uh, if their application for disturbance of their reasonable enjoyments or uh, enjoyment of the property and their rights are um, infringed upon. Which so who's is reasonable? So the land, so that, that's if someone's living in your own home, you mean, and you're renting out a unit in your own home? Or no, you're talking if you, had, if you own a building and no, they're- No, it's any property. If you're the landlord of any unit and your reasonable enjoyment is uh, interfered with or any other of your lawful interests or rights, um, before you would just be able to get a termination, now you're going to be able to apply for compensation as well. But what's my reason? If, they've rent, if they're renting well, the, the property bothering from me, you. What's, what's my tenants, reason? The tenant's coming at- coming and bothering you all different things like i can think of one right now where uh you served an, an, a notice to enter and you get there with a contractor that you've had to pay for service or whatever and oh, the tenant yeah, okay. doesn't let you in um yeah, yeah, you okay. know that's interference of your lawful right um your reasonable enjoyment could just be like continuous harassment uh from the tenant tons of emails like ridiculous complaints. what they're doing to john tory okay. john tory's gonna john tory put this in John Tory, yeah, yeah. put this. I'm joking. Yeah, so joking. so that's that's another big uh, big one that I think will assist a lot of landlords too. Yeah, makes sense. Um, the other one, I don't know if you guys hear this often, but uh, so many times you get to like a rent arrears hearing, and the tenant steps up and says, um, you know, I didn't pay my rent because there's all these maintenance issues. That seems like and the most common one. Does it not? Yeah. To me, it always seems like the most common. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. He hasn't fixed this. The toilet's yeah. been running, yeah. blah, blah, blah. That's why I didn't pay my rent. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not supposed to do it. They have the option to file an application. But if they do raise these issues um, at a hearing, the board has in the past um, been obligated to consider all of them. Now, if the tenant wants to raise them, they have to be prepared to present all of the evidence um, to support whatever position they're taking as to why they haven't paid their rent at that time. It's not like you can get like an adjournment to then, you know, you either raise it and have the information or you decide to file your own application after the rent arrears hearing. Now what they're saying is if a tenant wants to raise that, they have to uh, submit uh, written notice of all their uh, issues prior to the hearing. They have to serve, there's all this criteria that they have to meet. Um, so they're not going to be able to just raise it at the hearing anymore. And potentially be lying about something because that was the, I mean, look, there are, oh, yeah. th th this goes both ways. This goes because there are some landlords yeah. that do not maintain the properties properly and, and it's, they should be, and it's fair. And, but there are some landlords that were maintaining the properties and they would be just, Oh it, yeah. It was a way for the, for some, you know, you know, the quote unquote professional tenants were working the system a little bit right yeah. that way. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the other thing. Another thing that I find really great is that um, the non-payment of utilities. 
Uh, we've talked about this so many times in the past too, because a lot of landlords have that problem where the tenants just, you know, they're not paying utilities. Um, and it sometimes, you know, it'll get transferred to their property tax and, um, you know, any arrears for those types of services are transferred over and they don't know because the account is under the, the tenant's name, but they own the property. So at the end, you know, when they get their tax assessment, it's on there. It's ridiculous. Now they're saying that um, landlords will be able to apply for compensation for utility, non-payment of utilities. That's another one that seems like it makes a lot of just sense. I it never does. understood that water All bill one on sense. the property taxes. Yep. That one was always shocking to me. Yep. The only thing you could get currently, you can only get a termination for failure for failure to pay uh, utilities. You can't get an order for compensation. Now, if the, when this bill goes through, uh, you will be able to get an order for compensation. The biggest one to me that, and I just don't know how they're going to address it, it's just that it's the influx, it's the application load. And, you know, they were short adjudicators for so long. Now they're going to yeah. have this backlog. Like, I just don't know. Like, there's just got to be an overall better. And this isn't a landlord or tenant thing. Like, because if I'm a tenant and I want something, and I have maintenance issues that I need addressed and I have to wait three months to get them addressed and I'm living in, you know, you know, like whatever, just something like a leaky roof that's leaking with my bedroom and I'm sleeping, like whatever it is, there's got to be, they just oh, have to be, so those ones get bumped to the top? They do because you can file a, a request um, for urgent, for urgent matters. Um, and you can also um, get the assistance of the rental housing enforcement unit. If there's like immediate need, um, those, you know, yeah. you can get your application bumped. So, yeah, but, but outside of that, just even the regular ones, like the, the, yeah. the time, like it's, it's well documented that there is not enough adjudicators in the staff oh, yeah. addressing these things. But yeah. I just don't know if they're going to do, if anything's going to be done about it because it's been well documented for a long time. Yeah, it you has. I mean? And they, they were doing some hiring right before all of this happened because uh, in attending hearings, they always had like a, a new uh, person sitting beside the experienced adjudicator just to kind of get a, a feel for how things are working. And, um, you know, a lot of them have been conducting hearing telephone hearings with um, a buddy, you know, a, a more right. senior colleague to, to make sure. So they're, they're working on it, but I totally agree with you. It's a huge issue. I don't know how they're going to address that at this point with the where, volume that's going to be going through. Where are they hired? Are they hired provincially? Like, are they hired per location where the, you know, the, the hearings take place? Right. Like, um, there's areas because a lot of them travel to quite a few areas, but okay. yes, they certainly kind of look for those areas where the volume is greater and, and what, what's needed. Um, but technically you can be sent to, you know, a, a radius of whatever kilometers. Cause I see some that are in Toronto that come to Hamilton. Um, you know, I've seen some out in Brantford that are in Guelph. Um, so there, you know, I think they try to stick within a certain radius, um, okay. but at the same time, it, I think it's where the need is. And then who can represent you at a hearing? It's you, you so someone like yourself, obviously, mm -hmm. yep. then you can represent yourself, I assume. You can, you can yeah. represent yourself. And, and then the, but a property manager cannot, correct? So they have to be, there's all these strict requirements about who can represent. Um, obviously a, a licensed, um, someone who's licensed by the law society, someone who is an employee of the landlord. So that's what their, their job is. They don't have another job. Um, so if it's, um, you know. So is that your property manager then? 
Yeah. That's where it it's gray. They, yeah. Okay. Okay. Because you know what? Now, I don't know. Look if, at I think, all the, the criteria. Okay. So it sounds perfectly gray, just like lots of stuff in the law. Because at one point, Nick and I were representing investors. I don't know if you know this. Did we ever tell you this? That used to be okay. Yeah. And, and, and we didn't know. I think they changed For a while, they changed it. And we still didn't know. But I guess they really weren't enforcing it. Or, and we were still doing it because when we first started working with investors, we were like, listen, we will stick with you through the whole thing. So even if you end up at the tenant board and something, we'll come with you. Aww. And both Nick and I went to the tenant That's board. So and we nice. would speak on behalf of the investor. Because oh, wow. we were like, no, like, awesome. listen, we got this. We've been through this before. So, you know, here, you know, here's this document, <laughs> here's the lease here. And we both have done that. It still was never an enjoyable thing. And we would always <laughs> push to the end of the day because someone like you would come in all organized and they would know you and you would have like 30 cases and you would go first. And then we were just sitting at the back, just hoping that we weren't there till the end of the day, which usually we were. And I would always sit in amazement looking at someone like yourself. I'm like, oh my gosh, like who do they represent? You know, they have all these files and they're just like whipping through them and there's no one with you because you're just doing it all and it was a little bit of awe kind of looking at that and then we would come up you know there's like four three or four of us right two two investors who own the property together and then like me or nick so uh, then at one point we were told someone an adjudicator asked us like who are you (laughs) we're like we're like the friends of of the the owner (laughs) and they're like listen you're not get out yeah you're not supposed to be here. And yeah, all of them did. Some of them let like it was weird. For a while, we got person? away. Yeah. We got yeah, away yeah. with it. For and not even we weren't even trying to get away with it. We literally didn't know. Didn't know. Naive, yeah. You just didn't know. We were like, wow, well, no one has ever asked us that before. Yeah. yeah. That was good service, man. We had their back. That was their back. That was our commitment. That was our that commitment was our to commitment. them. We're like, you guys, we got your back. And then when this came up, we're like, well, that's we we got your back. Let's that's let's awesome. go. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, okay, what, so what else on Bill 184, any other things that you, we should be calling out or does that cover the big ones? Um, that's really the big ones. I mean, um, they're, you know, the one thing that landlords should be aware of is that right now when they file an application for um, uh, their, own, their own use of the property, they, uh, depending on how big the property is, how many units it has, they're required to pay compensation to the tenants um of one month uh right now if a purchaser requires the unit for personal use they don't have to pay um compensation but they're saying now that uh the compensation will have to be paid in in either circumstance okay. so coming from the, cur- the current landlord i guess coming from yeah. the seller of the property i guess you would work that in guys yeah. um, okay. i mean okay. it could be part of uh you know one of the terms of the deal um but they're certainly going to have to pay the compensation regardless of what oh, type of okay. application. And where is the, th- can you remind me on What's the threshold of, Oh, Nick, go ahead. I was going to say, what is the compensation just before we move on to something else? It's one month's rent. It was just one month's rent. Okay. But um, they're ch- they've changed the size of the, the number of units. It used to be four. I think it's five. I think it's five units or less. Um, okay. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. But I'd have to confirm that. So. Okay. And can you remind me on the threshold of renovations? Because some people genuinely want to make a renovation in the property yeah. and they feel like they are able to ask the tenant to move on because to do the renovation, but then they come to learn they can't. What is the threshold on the renovation thing again with getting access to do a substantial renovation on the property? You mean to have the tenant vacate while you're yeah. renovating it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
so um, it has to be significant enough where they will be without vital services for an extended period of time, uh, or there's significant uh, safety um, impairment uh, possibilities. Okay. Doesn't that open a can of worms? Because then can't a landlord say, hey, I'm going to do a big renovation and you're not going to have water or power for 10 days. So, you know, you got to leave. I guess then they could come back if that's not the case. Like you actually have to do what you said you're going to do. But can, oh, it, yeah. be that, but can it be that arbitrary? Like, yes, I want to make a renovation. I'm going to do renovations. You have to leave. Can it be like that? They yeah, so you still need out. an order. The tenant doesn't have to leave. You still need an order from the board. So you're going to have to take that application to the board and prove everything that you're saying you're going to be doing in order to get that um, tenancy terminated. Or um, the tenant also has the right to move back in. They have first right of refusal to move back in uh, at no increased rent unless you can get a rent uh, increase order above the guideline. Okay, so that keeps property. it pretty honest. Okay, okay, got That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I know yeah. a couple of people who have about some 12 plexes and they've renovated most of the apartments, but then there's a couple that they can't and they, they eagerly want to get in there cause they haven't been renovated in like, they think like 45 years or something like that. But oh, the wow. tenants that are in there don't want anything done. So they're like, Nope, you know, I'm fine. Yeah, and they've they kind of just, it doesn't been matter. yeah. So they're in this kind of weird thing. I think we're, they're at the point now that it's like a safety thing. Like they have to get in there, yep. but I don't know the outcome of it yet, but I know they're in the middle of it, but uh, yep. okay, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And um, yeah, I mean, sometimes there are, sometimes they're like ripping out walls and floors and like uh, I have a client who is, um, is looking at doing that because they're changing um, a single family home into a duplex. Like you can't be living in there while that's going on. Like you just can't um, you know, it's, it's not safe. There's, yeah. So, um, the one other thing that I don't know if we talked about it or have talked about it for a long time, but this question came up a couple of times in the past couple of weeks where, um, I had uh, people asking about that exception, uh, to units or, or tenancies being, um, um, the exceptions to the increased guideline, the, the guideline increase for the rent. Because there, there was, um, it was a few years ago, I think it was in 2018, uh, where they say that uh, if a unit has been, is, is being rented out for the first time after November, I think it's 27th or 18th, 2018, um, it is exempt from the rental increase guidelines. Yeah, it was funny because for a long time, it was, it was in the nineties, right? If it was, if it was, if it was built and hadn't been rented out before, like after like the early nineties and then what government, I guess the liberal one government changed it to say, okay, we're going to remove that loophole. And then a yep. couple of years later, they changed it back and said, no, now we're going to, it's like, it's like, they're like, they decided to start it all over. It's like, okay, nineties were too early. That, that, yeah. that, that didn't have that, let too many of them slip through the cracks. We'll start it again from now. And then in 10 more years, they'll probably change it again and cancel it and then start it again. But yeah, that's, yeah. that's cause it's, it's so funny because people freak out when sometimes announcements are happening. Cause we see it all the time. People are like, Oh, I can't believe they're doing this. Can't believe. And things very often they swing both ways. It goes one way this way yep. and it comes back and you know, yep. and it usually overcorrects one way or the other to be fair before it, it comes back. You're so right. But, uh, but, but yeah. that's what we see. So that, that's right. I, I forgot about that actually. I haven't thought yeah. about that in a long time. I mean, it's funny because people get so excited and they're like, Oh my gosh, you mean I can increase the rent to whatever I want? Like, yeah, you can. But at the same time, what's going to happen is if you increase it too high and your tenant leaves, you're, 
it's not, it's not part of that anymore. You know, you're going to be bound by the rental increase guidelines on your next tenant. So like, it's only for the first time if it's being used, it's, it's not, um, it doesn't fall under the, the increased guidelines. Yeah, that, that actually was, I misunderstood because when I first saw it, I thought it was for any units that were being rented after that. Do you know what I mean? That were built like after oh, that yeah. date. And I thought it was ongoing because in the past it was ongoing. Yeah, right. No. So I, I didn't, I didn't actually for the first time. understand that. Yeah. 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 So you leave them in there and be nice to them. Yeah. Like you can increase it above the guideline, but at the same time, like, if do you're going right, to like jump it up right to thousand bucks, like yeah. you're just speaking yourself. We try to like, be fair. Totally like, are. And there's value to long-term tenants. See, we have one, one, you know, one set of tenants that have been in one of the properties, Tom, now for like what, seven, five, seven years or something. They, oh, they, that's they've awesome. Been good. They've been good. Yeah. We, Great. you know, we, we do rent it and we do increase it now by the, 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 the guideline. Max, yeah, the guideline, but it's, you know, it's so low. But even there were a couple of times where we didn't, we're like, ah, oh, let's not this time. You know, we're kind of, we kind of work with them and, and they've been yeah. good and, and, and they appreciate some of the stuff we've done. It's, it's, a, it's a partnership. So it's, it's no different than any other business. It's, it, it's got to work both ways. Yeah, so good. That's good to hear. Awesome, Kelly. So any, anything else before we wrap up here, Bill, on Bill 184? So, okay. I think that's all the top highlights. I mean, you know, there's hope with, Things resuming in small claims too, um, very soon. They've opened up some of the courthouses, only, you know, uh, not all of the courtrooms will be used and they'll be very, um, I, I think they're only advancing like criminal matters, serious criminal matters and family custody issues right now and only in like one courtroom in the whole big courthouse or something. Um, they also sent out all this stuff uh, to us so that we would uh, understand what we have to do before entering a courtroom or a courthouse. We have to do this online uh, questionnaire and show it to the guard at the door um, that we've been approved to go in. We have to do that every time we enter. Um, but yeah, so things think, are... Uh, yeah, yeah. I had this vision of you in an astronaut kind of costume not costume but like set up you know you just suit, like walk yeah. in with like the big, hey, big thing. better than a mask because yeah it might be better than that. like i said like it totally changes when you have to do a hearing online like when you're in person you've got the whole like you've got everything you walk in it's like you're wearing a suit you know they can see your confidence um you know you might know somebody it totally brings your this facial thing. expressions are gone. yeah and doing it over the phone you really do have to adjust how you how you manage it because it, it's it's different um so even if we have to wear a mask that's gonna that's gonna be really challenging totally. we'll get and, it, but it'll and be kelly if you're naturally as funny as i am sometimes i have some dry humor and if i say something i smile after i say it to let you know that i'm joking but when you can't yeah. see me smile with the mask it comes yeah. across all wrong we're gonna so have to get really good with our eye yeah like eyebrows like, like like serious eyebrow expressions you haven't like, seen the, you uh, haven't seen the ads yet tom because i've seen the ones online there it's a mask and in the middle of the mask is a clear plastic bit does yeah. so that work you actually, though you can actually see the mouth through it well i mean on the ads online it looks perfect i saw yeah, somebody wearing just like a joker <laughs> mask where they just have like constantly the joker smile i'm like and that just looked almost evil right i was like oh my gosh yeah. Oh man, yeah, the, mask, the mask that I'm going to wear is uh, for, I, I got a mask from, there's a, a show, some people listening will, will know it, and it's called Money Heist on Netflix. And, oh yeah, uh, I know that one, that's awesome. Okay, so I gotta show you. So, <laughs> yeah, but that mask doesn't, isn't the mask. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah, so if you're listening to this, you can't see what Nick just did, but he no. held up money heist mask. And What's the guy's name again? The Spanish artist that that's... Uh, oh, I for, oh I gosh, for, I can't remember. I forget. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? But the mouth is actually not even... It's such a cheap mask that the mouth actually isn't cut out. So it actually oh. serves the purpose. Like it actually works. Yeah, maybe it works purposes. better. You can't breathe yeah. at all. With well, that but, yeah, well, no. But what I'm saying is I could actually use it as a mask because there's no hole like a, trish, like a typical Halloween costume mask. So I could actually go on and be- If I saw you walking around the, the grocery bylaws. store with that, I would just be freaked out. I'm like, who's this I guy walking? Yeah. I think Honestly. I think I got to try it once just to see what, oh their, what their response is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if like, um, I know I won't keep you guys much longer, but I wonder if like the police are having difficulties, like, cause a lot of people, you know, people break in, they steal stuff and you give a description, but what are you going to say? They had, you know, yeah, no, it's, it's so true. Blue yeah. eyes and a green mask. Like, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, totally. Right? Totally. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a weird, different world. We're all, we're all getting used to it. Kelly, you have a new website. You're just launching the new website. Hand out your contact information. Pretty please. Oh, awesome. Okay. So my new website, uh, you can find it at www.khparalegal.com. Um, and, uh, my email address is Kelly at khparalegal.com. Same phone number, 905-466-3542. And uh, you can reach me all those different ways. There's even uh, an option to book uh, an appointment online on my website. So, oh, no way. Uh, very, this is very, very fancy. Wow. Well, thank you. Oh, cool. we, the, this this, this self-isolation has been good. You got a lot of stuff done here. That you, they, <laughs> I don't even understand how you've been, like, I guess for a while you were busy with questions. I guess people, I guess you just have this backlog of stuff that you're waiting to kind of for next steps on, I would imagine. Like you must have this, oh. this law, it's just like this law, large, long list of things to do when you are finally able to do them. Oh, it's going to be incredible because I was fully booked, um, you know, for all of April, all of May, all of June, at least three to four court dates a week, um, you know, or three. Uh, and all of those are all of a sudden, you know, nothing's happening with those. Um, and all of those are going to be rescheduled somehow. Uh, with all of those, you send in unavailable dates. Um, so, I mean, uh, we're going to, all of my, you know, colleagues and we're talking about like, what is this going to be like? Because they're just going to start emailing or sending out dates to us. And how many conflicts are we going to have? Like, what are we going to do? Like, I can manage if they're all telephone hearings. I can line them up back to back as long as they're not all at the same time. Same time. I never I think thought about that. I you think they're going to have, they're going to have to be able to do them telephone. Otherwise they will, if it's in person, just based on what you're saying, if people have to physically be there in different jurisdictions and stuff, they will never get through this. No, and it's our, but yeah. even, even virtual, it's going to be a disaster. You're they're, right. But, but they're going to book you at the same time. Yeah. yeah. How did they even yeah. work? Did, did they send letters to you with dates? Because in the past for things that I've been involved in, I think they would send a letter saying we want dates, but now at least it's done by email. It is. Right, Everything's so. been done by email. I mean, we still get like interim orders or orders uh, sent to us by regular mail, but all the notice of hearings are sent out by uh, email for That's landlord good. tenant. Anyway, small yeah. claims is not emailing. Small claims will still be mailing. Regularly. Oh, they are. Yeah. So that's what I mean. So that's just even that process alone because they're sending it like that's going to take forever. Well, the other challenge is really submitting all the evidence because th lots of times there's tons of evidence to submit uh, for the complicated matters and their system, you know, you can only send a certain amount of size of files. Um, what do you do? Uh, we had to work through that problem because, you know, they have to have everything there so that they can pull it up. Normally you would just hand them a copy and refer to the tab. 
um, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's really challenging, it's, especially it's so if you have like video evidence or audio evidence. It's like, oh my gosh, I but can't just, open the link. It's like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. gosh, and that it, would it, drive me crazy. And it's not just that. Technical problems. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I that, love it when, you know, you have a judge or something and all you can see is like their forehead because they're not used to like using audio stuff. You just see their eyebrows, <laughs> these eyebrows just. <laughs> and their ceiling. It's like, hi. Um. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Look, I'm going to reach hi. out to the, I'm going to reach out to the government now with a proposal and I will to implement an online scheduling system for everyone. So they don't, for, for small claims, course, they don't have to send out letters anymore. And I, I, I mean, I can overcharge by a lot because they, they, I don't know why they don't have it implemented yet. There's like pieces of software for 50 bucks a month that'll be able to do it for them. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I honestly, I'm excited about what changes are going to have to happen because of this. Like, I mean, I think it will make it so much more convenient for everybody to really do get their access to justice. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be awesome. There's also people who are going to face challenges about what's happening with their kids while they're at work full time. Like we, we don't know when school resumes, what's going to happen. Right. Um, so if they can do everything online, it's just going to be able to move things forward so much faster um, to deal with all the yeah, so uh, So hopefully there's some advancement to the whole legal system then that would be the positive. Yeah, that would you're be You're a very awesome. positive person, yeah. Kelly. You're a very positive I'm not person. Holding, I'm not holding my breath. I'll tell yeah, you that yeah, much. You're a very positive person. You, you have uh, hope in the government. Okay, I'm going to go with, yes. no, I'm jumping on the bandwagon. I'm going to be yeah. positive too. It's going to be Progress, great Progress, not perfection. Yeah, Progress, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Kelly, thank you so much. So it's khparalegal.com. Kelly, thank you as usual. These are great updates. So helpful. So really, really appreciate everything that you do, that you help investors the way you do, landlords the way you do, everyone the way you do. Thank you. It's totally oh, Thanks, guys. And we get that feedback it. all the time. Hey, everyone. It's Tom Kradzis. Hopefully you enjoyed that talk with Kelly. If you are a rock star in our circle member, you have access to Kelly through the classes that she teaches for Rockstar Inner Circle members. Her contact information is also available on the member site for all Rockstar Inner Circle members, so you can grab that contact information there. Um, and that's it. Hopefully you picked up some good information. Remember, if you are looking for some real estate investing information for yourself or for friends or for family members, you can get free digital copies of all our books at www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's it for now. Until next time, your life, your terms.